Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm a dad. That's Anish. All right, so how was your week? Uh, it was not a great soccer week because there was no soccer. <laughs> so, Liverpool. That's pretty yeah, fair. Yeah, they were off, uh, I think the last time we recorded, they had played and then... Uh, mm. City played the next day against Chelsea and whooped Chelsea's butt six nothing, which wow. I mean that's it's like crazy score, but um, which I think was like kind of a uh, a shot across the bow to Liverpool to basically be saying like we're not going anywhere, but um, now uh, they play this Tuesday, the day before this comes out they have Champions League game against Bayern Munich, so it's Ooh. gonna be a good game, um, right. and then they get. They get that game back, the game that right now City's a, has played an extra game, but um, they play Man, Liverpool play Man United, mm. and that then after that they'll be at the same level of games and oh boy, hopefully if if Liverpool beats them, beats United, they'll be back up three points. Um, I had my birthday, which was great. Um, had a great time. Got to go out to dinner. Got to spend it during your curriculum night. So I got to meet your teachers, yes. yeah. which is kind of cool. Your teachers are awesome to actually meet Aren't as well they? as yeah. And your your brother's teachers were cool too. Up um, oh, shout out to Olivia just for the happy birthday wishes. And again, go Liverpool, Olivia. So that was that was very nice of her. Um, and then yeah, got you know had a good time. Got we had some cake. It was uh, really good cake. Yeah, and uh, I got a couple things coming that I have to that. I'm waiting to order, just basically waiting for sale. And and yeah, that was good. It was a good week. Otherwise, uh, just getting ready for soccer. And um, I'll let you tell us your week. Um, well, the one thing that stands out the most is our ride up. Um, so we're in Maine. And on the way up, I was doing a little bit of writing. Yeah, we're in Maine because you have break. Well, yes, it's February Sorry. break. Woohoo, no school. Um, there's a lot of snow here. That, yes, we're going to make our luge, right? We should be able to, yeah. There's enough snow to All make All the snow that we shoveled off the deck just lands in this giant pile, and it's right by the little sort of decline in our yard. So in past years, we've made a pretty rockin' luge. We just take the sleds, and we go down, and it's really fun. We have some pretty good, like, videos that you've edited together. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. But you're on your ride up. Yeah, so I was doing some writing, and um, I wanted some a kind of dark soundtrack because it was a dark piece of writing. Uh, so I found the Haunting of Hill House soundtrack. And as from a, Net, the Netflix show. For, the yes, show, the Netflix the, not show. Not the movie, okay. I think we talked about it too. Yeah, when we talked about the show, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but the soundtrack definitely got me in the zone. Actually, that's the book I brought up. I will hopefully get to that book yes. to read as well yeah. that you gave me for my birthday, so... I want to read it after you because I'm interested in seeing how it's different from the show. Yeah, no, the show. You did say it was like a lot the different. The show right? is just a modern take on where the the book is more about the house. Yeah, so I was listening to that uh, and I got a little bit too in the zone, I think. And at one point, the music sort of died off a little bit and I was like, okay. Kept writing, didn't pay it any mind. And then 
out of nowhere this like guttural scream like <laughs> it's just like i was wearing like the podcasting headphones so they're over ear headphones so it was just in my ears and i jumped so far and i don't think anybody noticed in the car so that was good but um you'd think i'd have learned my lesson but no it happened t- two more times <laughs> as i was listening so it really kept me on edge yeah I, it, that make that sounds about right for them they really But it's good, though, because the prompt that I was writing for was adrenaline. (laughs) So it helped. Um, But, yeah, that was was interesting. Uh, Rest of my week was pretty tame, except for my Valentine's Day. Um, I had two tests and a quiz um, pretty much right after the other. Uh, So that was interesting. Um, Got some singing Valentines, which was... not fun um those are embarrassing but whatever what can you do um but yeah it was it was a pretty it was a long week but it was a pretty tame week well i think because you know you had this whole there everybody's trying to get everything done before your break so i think there's all that stuff yeah but um but we did get to watch a couple of netflix shows um we finally watched the breaker uppers yes and we were psyched to see it and i have to say i mean it was good but I think yeah. I got it. I hyped it up too much myself. So I'm, I'm trying to set lower expectations if anyone watches it. It's it's good. It's definitely good. It's funny. It is funny. And I I'm, I do well. I just I just was expecting I probably more. Um, and it wasn't fair because I shouldn't be expecting we more. We do have like, a lot of representation in that movie, which oh, I no, really I, like. I, I think, and I thought the writing was good. I just think that it was, I don't know, it just, it wasn't as funny as I've seen. It wasn't as funny as what we do in the shadows or... Right. Which, or by the, the way, hunt, if you haven't seen that, yeah, or the hunt for the wilder people. So I was expecting a little bit more Taika, even though I know he just produced it, but I don't know why. I thought he'd have more. Maybe there was more influence there. But they're great. That the the, um, the two women who wrote it are hysterical, and the leads oh, yeah. are great. Um, and then we watched Abducted in Plain oh, Sight. Oh my god! And oh my god! I, it, all I will say is, it is a hard documentary to watch it is the subject matter is difficult to watch and again you know just the synopsis is basically about these two families in idaho and um the one family the the father of the one family gets too friendly with pretty much everyone in the other family yeah and then he pretty any he, he's he's he he abducts uh, she's 12 right the I think time? she was 12 like a 12 year old and it's crazy and it's I guess I would say we recommend it, but it's if it's really hard to sit through. Like it's it's like so many times. Like it, it just blew my mind how how it happened because there were so many. I don't even know. I mean, I know it's hard with hindsight and all. You you can right, just come yeah. with it, but you you're just. I th- I was just angry. I think the whole time at everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I can. I can. That's the best way for me to to describe, but. Um, it's it's well done it's yeah and i guess it's worth a watch if you're okay with that kind of subject matter and i, I don't mean i don't know how to say okay with, but i mean you can handle that kind of subject right. matter but um i just and just kudos to um the daughter or the the one jan was jan. Her name? kudos to jan because um she's strong woman yeah she's really strong yeah. she went through a lot so yeah that was pretty much it and then uh we're hoping tonight we're going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. Or yes! I didn't even know that until right this second. Well, either that or we're going to watch uh, 
the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. So it's that's true. But I've been waiting on Bohemian Rhapsody for a while. So yeah, um, yeah but that's pretty much it. So and then uh, you know we'll have this week here. Hopefully some skiing. Yes, some luging. Grandpa's some coming. So yes, what would they say? I think he might do cross country skiing. Yeah, I'll try to get the luge to run. If we can get that to work, we'll try to put a video. Maybe we can try to get the video yeah. on your site or at least a link to this video. I might just post it on our Instagram. Um, okay, so shall we get started? All right, so I'm pretty excited about this one. I actually, um, surprise, surprise, heard about this from, and that's why we drink. Uh, it was a while ago, that episode, but it was a good episode. Um, so I'm going to tell you about the Joshua Ward house. Do you know it? I, it sounds familiar and I'm just trying to think if I had heard it on. It's in Salem. I feel like I have heard it and I'm just trying to think if it was through and that's why we drink or through something else, but I, I don't know. Well, let me jog your memory. Okay. Then. <laughs> um, so we're going to start off, uh, in 1692 before the house is even built. Okay. Uh, 25 year old George Corwin was the high sheriff of Salem. And this is our good friend, well, good friend in quotes, George Corwin. Looks like kind of a mean dude. And if you think that he looks like a mean dude, you would be right. He was a mean dude. Kind of looks like Ben Franklin without the glasses. Yeah, he does. He do, He's like sneering at the camera, though. So, Or not the camera. 1692. At the painter dude. The yeah. sketch artist? Yes. Yep. Um, so, whoops, <laughs> just trying to discreetly put the cap back on my drink. It's not working the way I wanted it to. Okay. So he, um, was the nephew of Jonathan Corwin, who was one of the like more famous judges during the Salem witch trials, but George Corwin is famous in his own way. Um, so he would escort the condemned to the execution from the prison with a cart. Uh, like, he himself would do that. Like, um, Monty Python kind of cart? Bring out your dead? <laughs> no. no, they're still alive at this point. Well. Well, not for long. But, um, so, Corwin oversaw the trial and death of Giles Corey. Uh. So, this is a, a sketch of the trial of Giles Corey. There weren't many pictures I could find for, like, this whole episode, so, like, most of these are before the hauntings even happened, um, but that's the, his trial. Well, I mean, photography wasn't invented yet, so. Well, yeah, but, like, just stuff in general, like, there's just not much that I could, like, just get pictures on. Like, for the last one, I, I found a picture of a swingle because I didn't know what a swingle was, so I figured, oh, I'll put that on. But for this, it's, it's pretty, pretty bear with things i can show um so uh cory was famous for being killed by uh oh man i haven't taken french in like three years <laughs> uh by penforte de uh olivia you're fluent in french tell me if i got that wrong uh so that basically means um hard and forceful punishment uh and that's an execution method that consisted of heavy weights being placed on the chest of the condemned until they were eventually crushed to death. So they suffocate. Pretty much. So this is a, a drawing of that. 
Showing me a lot of pictures that you don't have. Well, I said most of them are before the hauntings even happened, so I kind of had to scrounge around a little bit. So basically, they're, it looks like they're putting like a piece of plywood on Pretty top much. of somebody and then... Yeah, like what they did was Is with... that a kilogram? <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> anyway, um, basically what they did was they dug a pit, and in some versions they say that Corey dug the pit himself. Uh, then he went into the pit. They put a plank on top of him. Then they would keep throwing in heavy and he- heavier and heavier rocks. And each time they threw a rock, they would ask him to confess. And then he's famous for only saying, just like, add more weight instead of saying, I did it or I didn't do it. All he would say is add more weight. So they kept adding weight and eventually he died. Um, but he was 81 at the time. Uh, and do... He was 81 when they th- when this was happening? Yes. And how much weight was put on? Do um, we know? I don't know how much, but it was enough to kill him. So I'm just saying 81. Man. Yeah. And 81 for that time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, due to the excessive weight placed upon him, his tongue lolled out of his mouth. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and Corwin uh, poked his tongue back into his mouth with his walking stick. Oh, my God. It's like a cartoon. Yeah. Um. And so it is told that with his dying breath, Corey cursed the town of Salem. Um, there isn't like evidence that that happened, but that's like the legend. Right. Um, you need some, it has to start somewhere. Yeah. So uh, according to one article I read, Corey had beaten another man to death and, quote, took part in convicting his wife, Martha, of being a witch before he faced her same fate. Okay, this was like years before, though. I think so. All right, because let's say I 81. I mean, not only is he beating people, he's putting all this weight on them. I mean, geez. Yeah, I th- it was like before, but he he was not a good guy. It doesn't sound good. But still, even if you're... So you're saying karma is basically what you're saying. Yes, but at the same time, getting crushed to death, not good. Did he, the, the person he accused of being a witch, did she, she died? Yes, she did get... Karma. Killed. All right, cool. Uh, so... Corwin also had a tie to a man named Philip English. Um, So English was the wealthiest merchant in Salem. Uh, And then uh, him and his wife, Mary, were accused of witchcraft. Uh, And because of their massive wealth, the two of them escaped to New York and waited there until, like, the whole thing sort of passed. Uh, But then when they returned to Salem they found that Corwin had confiscated his belongings, or had confiscated all of their belongings. Uh, so their house, warehouses, wharves, and shop. Uh, they didn't expect... I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, but you up and leave, and you just think, oh, everything will be fine when I get back. And when you're when, that rich. Yeah, but again, well, all right, well then. Okay. I don't know. Um, so English, what? They just seem so smart. Oh, yeah, so smart. Uh, English repeatedly sued Corwin, um, but uh, before he was able to get justice... Um, Corwin's a judge. Yeah. Okay. Good well, he's the high that. sheriff. Oh, high sheriff. Sorry. Okay. Um, his father was the judge. Jonathan is his nephew, who's the judge. Oh, okay. Um, but so, yeah. So, Corwin died in 1696 before anything, like, happened. Um. So then, according to legend, 
English threatened to steal Corwin's corpse and hold it for ransom. <laughs> um, and this is all in the winter right now. Um, so many scholars believe he never followed through, but Leiden says that English did steal the body or that Corwin was buried in the basement of his own house for years for fear of him being stolen from his grave. But the more likely explanation is that he was in the basement of his house because the, win- the ground was too hard to bury him in because it was winter. So after, so it's after like when he died is when English said, "I'm going to steal your corpse." I'm going to steal. Well, I'm going to steal this corpse because yeah. well, he's yeah. not telling him that since he's dead. He might be. You never know. But okay, so all right. So if he's a witch, the ground was frozen. They couldn't bury him, so he's just all right. He's holed up in his basement with his grandkids. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're just having a couple tea parties. Go say good night, Grandpa. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, at some point they did bury him though. Um, During the spring thaw. Yeah. So, um, Corwin, would you like to know his delightful nickname? Yes. <laughs> you really you took a second there before you decided. I was just trying to think he'd be called the Iceman or something. No, his nickname uh, was The Strangler. Uh, you want to take a guess why? It might be really hard to figure it out, but it's kind of a vague. But I'm confused. Am I mixing up people then? This is the guy that... Corwin is the sheriff. Who then I'm did the weights to, on Yes, Corey. but there's other stuff he did, and I'm going to get into that okay, so as to why he got so the nickname. his nickname is The Strangler because yes. he... Strangled people, but not to death. But I'll tell you. I'll, I'll get into it. I'll he get just, into it. Uh, okay. Um, so, so he... Like, I mean, just down the street, people were, oh, hey, no, Strangler. No, I mean, no, no, no. No, it was, it was after his death, I think, but... Or maybe like behind his back. But um, he allegedly would torture those accused of witchcraft by strangling them in his own cellar, which he had converted Wait, into the a... The cellar where he is now, his corpse is hanging out. Yes, but before that, he converted it into a sort of jail, which is kind of dubious. Um, but that's what I found in a couple articles. So um, under his watch, 19 men and women were put to death for witchcraft. And he allegedly tied the neck of one of his prisoners to their ankles until blood came out of their nose. Um, and the, the stories about him choking prisoners, um, well, he would choke them until they admitted what he had accused them of. And sometimes, quote, blood would flow from their mouths and their eyes nearly popped out of their skulls. Oh my gosh, so he's constricting the all right so not a good guy as i said no yeah so um but he's dead well we think well okay no he's dead but i don't know i was trying to make a cool like ghost reference but i I had nothing okay uh so now we're going to jump into 1784 um the house is built for a merchant named joshua ward this is the Joshua Ward house. Okay. Nice brick building. It's a pretty normal looking building. Whoops. Just dropped my computer on the table. Okay. So. Oh, by the way, we just paused it so that we could do some of any things. So if that beeps in the background, you know, that's our dinner. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, merchant Joshua Ward. Uh, so he 
besides being a merchant, he was also a ship owner and a distiller who became wealthy by producing rum by distilling molasses from the West Indies. Nice. So he's, he's kind of made. Not only is he super rich, but while visiting in October of, of 1789, guess who requested to stay at his house? George Washington. You heard me saying it, didn't you? No, 1789. Oh. Was it for the rum? <laughs> Probably. Yes, it was George Washington. Um, so in the late 19th century, uh, the building was turned into the Washington Hotel. Huh. Then it was almost demolished in the 1970s. Some a-hole was like, oh, let's demolish this building. It's not like it's useful anyway. And luckily, Salem turned that proposal down. And instead, efforts were made to restore the building to its colonial greatness. So they went back to the... um, It went from the Ward's Ward's home to the Washington Hotel and then back to... It was sort of like nothing. And then... uh, some guy was like, let's tear it down. And then someone else was like, no, actually, screw you. We're going to make it so really great. So did they make it a landmark? Well, it's currently a hotel. Okay. okay. So it's Again, back to a hotel. Okay. It's back to right. a hotel. It's called The Merchant. Opened in 2015. Oh, wow. So fairly new. Um, so that's all the history I got for you. Now let's get into the ghosts. And let me just get this straight again. This is Ward's house. Yeah. All right, before you get... I'm, I'm slightly confused here. We talked about Corwin. Yeah. We talked about Ward. So... What's the connection between Corn, okay, Corwin so and Ward? Okay, so the land, that land where the Ward house was built was Corwin's, like, house area. So the right? place like, where he that's where had his, his basement was, and where... It, where, where it, all the thing, people were tortured and things. So that what happened to that land. house? I don't know. I assume it got, like, demolished or something. Or okay, maybe, so Ward's house was not an, any structure. It was... He built that from scratch on the land. That's what my research told me. I don't know exactly how it turned from, I don't know, like how it shifted from like a Corwin house into a built right. Ward house. It might Can have you, just been. When did when did Ward come up to the scene? 1784. Year? So, and he died in 1696. Yes. Okay. So we're talking almost 100 years have passed. Yeah. So in that period of time. All right, Salem with Charles, all that stuff's gone. He's now in Salem. Ward comes in here, has this part, this land, and builds his house. Builds his house. We we doubt that he used any of the existing structure, or there was a structure. I to have Corwin. no idea. So it's land that Corwin used to own and yeah. had his house on, and, and now it's Ward's. And then it was okay, turned so now, into a right, hotel. Fair enough. Okay, so now it was so it went from Washington Hotel. Now we're the okay. Merchant Hotel. Yes. Okay. Um, now, we're, now we're now we're with the ghosts. Okay. So the ghosts, the witch. The witch. Okay. Uh, she has like wild black hair. Um, she is thought to be an accused witch who was executed because of Corwin. Okay. Uh, she doesn't have a name. Besides the witch, um, she is reported to be roaming the halls of the building. Uh, and there is a photo of her. And I'm going to tell you the story, but just in advance, it looks pretty fake, but it also, like, it's the kind like of photo. Like Bigfoot fake? I don't know. It, <laughs> no, not like that. But like. Loch Ness fake? It, 
No, you don't need to make weird hand movements. Nobody can see them but me. Slockness. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks pretty fake, but like, I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm just gonna show you the picture. So this is this is her. <laughs> I want it to be real, desperately. It looks like somebody's having a bad hair day. It does. It looks like me when I wake up. Or actually, remember once... that remember that shirt you had, that Italian one with the girl with the yeah, hair. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It does. I wish I had that shirt in a bigger size. She kind of looks like Ali Sheedy from. Uh... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> from, uh, Breakfast Club, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But she... with a lot more hair. Yeah. Or she could be um, from Psych. She could kind of look like. Ali uh, Ali Sheedy's character. Yeah. Just, I can't. Uh... Was she Ying or Yang? She was neither, was she? What if we didn't? spoil that because that's a spoiler technically hey, there's like a hist there's like a time limit on spoilers okay it, well you it's, know it's what like just years. watch psych and then you'll figure it out for yourself i was saying that to the listeners not to you i can tell you afterwards um yeah she's it's it's cool i'd be friends with her her hair's cool i think her hair's cool I, it just you were giving me a judgmental look uh, well, let's hear more about her before you talk about friendship I took the notes. I already know who, like, what she's like. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, well, I'm gonna describe like what the background of the photo is. Uh, so it was taken in 1981 at a Christmas party. Um, the employees of the hotel, I guess, or I think it might have been an office building at one point, and that's why. But I don't, I don't know. There, I found nothing about that anywhere else. Okay, so but there were a bunch of employees that were having a Christmas party there. Okay. And this guy was trying to take, he was going to take like a close-up shot, like shoulders up of another, of a fellow coworker. Um, so he took it and then when he got it all like developed, the framing of that picture had changed and where the coworker had been standing in front of the camera, it was the witch. Not this picture though, a different picture. This was, no, that, that's the picture. Like he took a picture that was like a close-up of his coworker like when he when he looked through the viewfinder, that's what it was. And then when he got them all developed, that picture had completely changed framing and who was in it. Okay. Oh my god. <sighs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, you so, know how this how they used to do this in the past, right? You'd have to go to the photo mat, so you'd have to go to like a it was like a standalone little hut, and you would drop off your film. And some dude, usually like a teenager, would then, he wouldn't develop, but he'd get sent out, and then it would be developed, then he'd come back, and then he'd put him in the thing, and you'd pick up your piece of paper. So, the, the guy, it was probably the kid working at the photo mat, said, oh, I'm just going to slip this picture in there. <laughs> okay, but at the same time, that's what the witch ghost looks like, because people have seen her. Was, he, did he get the film developed in Salem? I don't know. Probably. Okay. It's let's... a conspiracy. So go ahead. So so she's possibly responsible for sounds of crying that can be heard around the house when no one's actually crying. Um, and then some workers that are sitting like in their offices after hours uh, will catch a glimpse of her out of the corner of their eye just like gliding past in the hallway. They'll be like, oh, whatever. Go back to work on their little computers. And then... This is 1981. No, it's not just, I'm saying just whenever 
Okay, so you're saying it's they not, still see this? They yeah, still see the witch. Still, so as of today, they see this witch. Yes. In the hotel, the merchant hotel. Yes. Okay. So they'll be like. But they're not on computers then, right? Or are they on their laptops in their rooms? And this is happening because it's no well, longer. Well, it could places. be people that are like the manager in like the manager's office or whatever. So it's the concierge hanging out in the. So it's there. Okay. I think you're you're taking my story and you're making it sound like a bunch of poppycock, which it might be. Please go on. Anyway, they'll be working at their computers, and then when they look up, her face is right. Are they in playing front the of Sims. Oh my god, you're ruining my every. I'm trying Sorry. to like get the value. Sorry. Okay. So that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. They look up, and she's right in front of their face, staring at them. Like in front of the computer, like the face came in front, or mm. they're. I'm just trying. To, is it behind like the monitor? Like behind the computer. So behind the monitor. Yes. Because they're okay. So do they have to get up? To oh my god. <laughs> Okay. I don't think I can do ghost stories on this podcast anymore. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Okay, witch. Are let's you, go. I'm done with the witch. Are you are you ready to move on or do you need a minute? Who's next? Giles Corey. Okay. So Giles was the one that he killed that was 81 that he crushed to death. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know why this... But he didn't kill Giles on his property, right? It wasn't his... I don't know. I think it might have been... I don't know. Oh, sorry, but Giles said curse him. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know why all this is attributed to Giles Corey, but it is. Okay. Uh, trash cans will be turned over. Books will be pulled from shelves. People will like leave a room, and then when they come back, it is completely like ransacked, like di- just in disarray. And this is recent? I don't know. It's just like I couldn't find anything that was dated. Okay. Um, so there's like this a mischievous entity yeah. that's just kind of like causing chaos and mayhem. He's like Peeves from Harry Potter. You know, I'll talk about Harry Potter. So please move on. Oh my God. I'm just not giving yeah, just, any more keep, money to them. I'm not, I can talk about it. All right. Anyway, so this thing is going around ransacking. Yes. Also. But personal items. I don't know. Just trash. Rooms. All right. <laughs> yes, trash personal items. Um, candles are taken out and melted, which basically means they'll find blobs of wax as if they had dripped from a recently burning candle, but all the candles just have not been lit and are cold. So just remnants of wax. Yeah, as huh. if someone had okay. just lit a candle. Uh, also, cold spots can be felt in certain corners of certain rooms. <laughs> so nothing too bad. I mean... If you're an intern, you have to and spend they, extra so hours quite, working. I'd rather that be the witch. Okay. You, you're you just going to decide that that's the witch then? She doesn't really get a fair shake of popping up behind monitors and all, so. Uh, okay. Right. Wow. Now you're disrespecting Giles Corey, but okay. Let's move on to. He's a bad man. He's not allowed to haunt anyone. Like, mischief. That's true, but the Strangler was also a bad man, and he's my next ghost. Okay, so now we're up to Corwin now? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, they're like the three main ghosts of the house. Like, All there right. might be others, okay. but these are the three main ghosts. So, the Strangler. Um, so, an older male entity can be sometimes seen sitting in a rocking chair by the fireplace. Um, which, if I were a ghost, that would, that's what I would want to do. Just, like, sort of be chilling by the fireplace. Just sort of, you know relaxing in my afterlife maybe spooking a couple people but 
not doing anything harmful except the strangler does do stuff that is harmful um like uh, again rocking chairs are awesome so if you have the right rocking chair <laughs> it's nice to sit and relax so yeah um so in the mid-1980s people reported feeling as if they were being choked by an unseen being okay hence the strangler and association all right yeah um and it just sort of like started being reported then but it's continued which makes more sense because it is corwin's ha- land so yeah all right um so some people think that it's Corwin, and then some people think that it's just a random victim that's like showing you what they went through. But I think it's Corwin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see both, but I feel like it's more plausible that it would be Corwin. Corwin. Um, yeah, I guess if... Um, yeah. Um, so items will be moved around the mansion. Candles will be bent into an S shape. I don't know why an S. Yeah, or maybe the they're just like, bend, he's just bending it to like. Well, like, I guess if you bend F-U. it both ways, like. Yeah, I don't even know how you'd. Yeah, yeah, I guess if you did it. Yeah, all right. I don't know. But why the S? Unless it just doesn't mean, it's not actually an S. It's just like a. But even there, bending a candle, it has to be warm, right? Otherwise, it's going to break. Yeah. Maybe Corey lights the candles and then. Actually, why would they work together? They're like enemies. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I have two like stories for you now um, from Spellbound Tours that they have investigators that go to certain places. So, um, okay. Uh, I have the story of Mary and Robert. They're, those aren't their real names, but they wouldn't give me their real names. Um, so Robert was a skeptic, uh, but they were two paranormal investigators. So Mary was setting up equipment on the third floor and Robert was in the basement. Uh, At some point she realized she had forgotten the time because they were both supposed to meet uh, in the parlor a half hour before she like realized what time it was. So she headed down, uh, but Robert was nowhere to be seen. So uh, she went down to the basement she like asked the staff and she there she was like where's robert and they're like i don't know we haven't seen him so she went down to the basement and she saw him uh he was writhing on the floor uh struggling to breathe she rushed up to him and pulled him into a sitting position and she shook him into consciousness because he was just like not with it uh and at like he sort of seemed to come to and like calm down and stop being strangled uh and he told mary through tears that um as he was poking around in the basement He was, quote, struck from behind and his throat was seized. So when he turned around, he saw that there was nobody in the room with him, um, but he continued to be choked. And he attempted to be, he attempted to shout for help, but he wasn't able to make a sound because the grip on his neck was so tight. And later, there was massive bruising on his neck consistent to choking wounds. Hmm. Um, And also, I found this kind of funny. Um, but in the actual article, it was like, I'm told that that was Robert's last investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Like, it would be my last investigation, <laughs> too. Um, yeah, so then that's the first story. Um, kind of short, but it sort of gets to the point. Then the second one is pretty creepy, too. Um, this is with an investigator called Molly. Molly Stewart, I think. I think that's actual her, her real name who is either the founder or head of Spellbound Tours, or she was. I don't know if she still is. 
so she had gone to the house um, two times before, but with little to no results. But this third time, she brought her analog tape. And uh, the article made a point of saying that, yeah, people use EVPs now, but I think that analog tapes work better. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't used either, so I couldn't tell you. Is an analog tape just an old tape recorder? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So she was alone in the house, and at one point she went down to the basement. Uh, she recorded various places throughout the house, then played back the tapes after she left. Um, and at one point in the tapes, when she had been in the basement, a clear, rough voice growled, quote, I just want to keep you. Is um, there a, can you hear, do you have the tape? I do so. not have the tape. I couldn't find it. So, she, so she went there after her that other guy, Robert, had his. Um, I don't know. I mean, the n- neither of these gave me like the dates of when it happened. Okay. It wasn't that detail of a source, but um, she checked the surveillance footage, and no one had been in the room with her at the time of the recording. This is, but this is what I don't understand. It's a hotel. Yeah. Why wouldn't there always be people there? Well, it might have been, like, for the... It, it, before it became the it merchant? Yeah, like it could have been before 2015. It, oh, so, or, like, before they decided to destroy it and blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah. so when it was abandoned is what you're saying. Probably. Okay. I don't know exactly the time frame, okay. but it, it was probably, yeah. I don't know. Um, But that is the Joshua Ward house. That's all I've got for you. No, the, the choking one is interesting. I just... You'd think there'd be more to it then. Like, you know, there'd be more scenarios mm. but um <laughs> it was hard to find like actual experiences which it shouldn't have been that hard but it was well i mean if it was that easy then there'd be a lot more news about it you know what i mean like that's true so no no actually that isn't one i've heard yeah just a, it was just amazing how much history was there but uh yeah good cool nice thank you yeah all right more of the um wish it was more the witch I mean, we could always just go and see if we could find the witch. Hmm. Sure, they didn't think it was a screensaver that popped up. Oh, my God. All right. right, Well, good story. Way to go. Thank you. All right. I am doing a true crime story. Um, Let me get to... uh, Why is this not working? Here we go. Mouse. Uh, This this takes place in... Majority of it takes place in Texas. Time period is between 1973 to about... 1986. All right. It's a serial rapist murderer. And let's start here. There's it. it, And it jumps. The reason it's like 73 to 86. There's just a lot of gaps in between. I shouldn't say gaps, but just you'll see what happens in between um, the time frame. So it wasn't just consistently every year something happened. It's just over over that whatever 13 years. Rosalie Williams was a deputy sheriff at the Upshore County Jail in Gilmer, Texas. You go, girl. Gilmer is east of Dallas, and it's close to the Arkansas border. All right. It's about, I think, almost 100 miles east. And I would I want to say it's within 20 miles of the Arkansas border. Okay. Williams was 24 years old at the time and was well-liked by the inmates. She treated them with respect, you know, kind of she was uh, a religious woman and she just believed in the golden rule. You treat people the way you want to be treated, that kind of thing. All right. Based on this 
um, kindness, one particular inmate took note of oh. of this and her and just this this nice quality and uh, of like not bullying and things like that. That particular inmate had been processed in May um, on a capital murder charge. This is oh. ni- this is 1986. He was believed to be processed for an additional two more murders. Well, he was believed he was going to be processed for two more murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, the investiga- investigation was still you know, ongoing. The whole jail was aware of the crimes, of the murders, because they were pretty much big news for the, for the area. Um, so they weren't, you know, they knew what they had here. They were on alert, right. so they weren't, you know, not thinking that this guy was just, you know, some ordinary criminal. Right, okay. Um, however, he had a reputation of being kind of crazy, but during his time there, always being processed, he was one of the like well-behaved, well-behaved, nicest um, inmates. Was not belligerent, followed orders, did whatever huh. they said. That, um, and was this like because he knew about the sheriff, or was it just like he was just being? No, she was the deputy sheriff, so she's not even the oh, head person, right? But. He just, I mean, again, a capital murder charge. I mean, maybe he just was like, look, you know, I'm in. And he knew he was in, in going to be charged. And in Texas, I think at the time, the death penalty. Oh, wow. Uh, so I think maybe just kind of like, you know, if he's on his best behavior, oh, okay. that may be to his advantage. Um, so what they used to do, though, with as they processed and ha- uh, jailed these um, criminals, you know, they were allowed in between before they were going to trial, you know, mm-hmm. to go between floors, not by themselves. But they spent a lot of time, most of these criminals spent a lot of time on the fifth floor. And in the fifth floor, there was a big window, and he tended to focus a lot outside the window. Mm-hmm. And this one, uh, Williams, took note, and, you know, they would chat in between here and there. And at one point, the inmate had a conversation with Williams, and he said to her that he'd been observing her, Oh, that's not her, creepy. Her daily routine. He could mention what her work schedule was like, what she did at oh. per times when she went to lunch. Oh. He knew her which car was hers. Oh my god. And he knew where he parked where she parked the car. Oh, I don't like that. On July 9th, nineteen eighty six, Williams woke up to a blistering hot day in Texas. Mm-hmm. She wasn't scheduled to go to work until the afternoon shift. She was married. She had a child. Um, so she spent the morning basically taking care of her kid before she went to the next shift. That morning, that inmate was at, had asked if he could use the phone and was told to wait. He had been plotting this phone call for weeks. He wanted to have, he knew where he wanted to go for this phone call. You know, you know he had decided to get a call. He had to get out of his cell to go right. make this call. However, he was made to wait all morning, made to wait in the afternoon, and it was starting to get on his nerves that he couldn't make this phone call. So by the time Williams arrived for her shift, you know, she did her check-ins, checked on some certain things. She went over to check in on this inmate, and he was in his cell, and he just seemed, his demeanor had changed completely. He was agitated, he was sullen. And she was just trying to get a sense of why this was the case. And he explained that he'd been, he wanted to make this phone call. He's been asking since the morning. He's now been waited. This is, he's been waiting all day. This is not fair. Okay. So she find, found out that 
there's particular people who deal with this kind of thing and when they want to make phone calls and stuff like that. And that person just happened to be out. Uh. So she explained to him that this is the reason. This is nothing against you. You I want you to feel like you're being, you know, ostracized or anything like that. Uh, this is the problem. But however, let me talk to one of the sergeants and I can get this taken care of, taken care of for you. Okay. So she gets back to her desk, calls down to the sergeant who's on duty and just says, hey, look, this inmate has been waiting. He just wants to make this phone call. It's, you know, he's been in the best behavior and it, he's he's angry. So let's just, let's not deal with this crazy guy and get right, him more yeah. angry than he needs to be. So the sergeant understood, came back up, saw Williams, got the key, went to the cell, opened up the key, got, got to bring the inmate out. And as he's coming back towards, you know, coming out of the cell, coming towards Williams, Williams notices something odd that the sergeant is in front of the inmate, which is not standard procedure. Oh, and no. And as she's making this out, she understand, she's noticing that her gut is like, this isn't right. And then the next thing she realizes is that a big bar is raised from behind by the inmate, smashing it down on the sergeant's head, knocking him out. Other people scream in there, and the next thing you know, the inmate has grabbed Williams, and is taken out of the building, and then they are in her car, and he has now escaped. Oh, no. He took, wait, he took her. He took Williams. Did she not have, like, a gun or something? Like, could she not have it in the jail? He basically subdued, he, after knocking out the guy, subdued her, grabbed her, knew where she parked, knew where her car was, knew what type of, what her routine was, and now they're on the loose. This would be the third time that this inmate has left jail. Oh my God. However, it was the first time he actually escaped jail. Oh. Still. This is the story of Jerry Walter McFadden, who he himself named a nickname for himself. He called himself the animal. Oh, oh that doesn't give me a good feeling. So into our crime timeline. Crime timeline. McFadden was born on March 21st, 1948 in Texas. Okay. He grew up in the Haskell, Texas area. Mm-hmm. He went to school there. However, he dropped out in junior high. Okay. After dropping out, he got a job as an oil worker. Just that's what you do in Texas. <laughs> um, at 19, he, he married a 15-year-old. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he would have two children. No, with, no, no, no. With his no, wife. I don't um, like that. However, he would get divorced several years afterwards because of his criminal history or his criminality, Good I guess. Her. And it's interesting because it seems that it was right after this breakup that this, the crime spree, that his crime spree went from you know misdemeanor type things into like. The next level. Wow. So at first, like I had mentioned, he was a petty criminal. You know, in 66, he was convicted on um, burglary. Okay. okay. In 68, he was convicted of destruction of property. No jail time, just, you know, um, I don't know if he got fined or whatever it was, but has a record. In 1972, he's now divorced. He raped a 14-year-old Denton girl. Oh, no. In 1973... He raped a junior high school teacher 
in Haskell, his oh. hometown. Oh my God. He got caught after that. Good. Rape, and he pled guilty to that and the 14 year old right. rape. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. So this is in 1973. Oh. However, law at the time was when you get to that first third, you get to that point of your prison sentence. So about around that five year, mm-hmm. you're eligible for parole. Oh. And he was paroled in 1978. No. Why? In December of 1979, he went on a day-long rampage through West Texas, taking an 18-year-old secretary hostage, and multiple, multiple times he raped her throughout that day. Oh, God. He got caught again. Good. Got char- uh, was charged, convicted, another 15-year sentence. Okay, but like after that, like wasn't he like violating his parole? Obviously, fifteen years. So what? Shouldn't he not? And I think that was seventy nine. But at the time he went to court and everything, it was like nineteen eighty one when it actually got where he was sentenced. Uh-huh. So I believe he was in jail though between the time he was caught and the time he actually got convicted. Okay. And he was released in nineteen eighty five on parole again. How? How is how? Because again. You once you get to that point, you're eligible for yeah, parole. You're eligible, but like no amount of good behavior. If he violated his parole already once, why why would you let him do that again? Well, it's obvious he hasn't got like. I, the thing I will say is that um, the he was. I, I don't know if it was the policeman in the seventy nine rape. That was like, you cannot parole this guy. Like, he went to the parole hearing saying he is a, because of these other stories, you know, the things that happened to you, everything that you're saying. Good. And he still got paroled. I, I would like to have a long talk with those people. So, in 85, he's paroled. In May of 1986, it was believed he would commit his first murders. No. Murder, murders. We'll see. No. No. On May 4th, 1986, two women, Suzanne Harrison, 18, and Gina Turner, 20, headed to the beachside on Lake Hawkins. It's about, that's also 100 miles east of Dallas. Okay. They were going to this, it's, it was a teenage hangout, this area of Lake Hawkins. It was called The Point. Everybody would go there. It, people would go for the day, um, boat, you know, boat rides, whatever it be. So, you know, it was right. one of those things where that, you know, you were there and you could be gone for hours at a time and no one would see you just because, you know, it's a big lake. Right. Um, Harrison was extremely popular, well-liked. She was a cheerleader at uh, the Hawkins High School. Turner, again, was older. She had already graduated, but she was a valedictorian of her class. Oh, wow. And she was studying to be a nurse. She also was incredibly popular, you know, beautiful. She actually won Miss Hawkins High School oh, wow. while she was um, at Hawkins High School. And when they went out, um, they weren't only just hanging on the beach to, like, you know, just, to, you know, lay out in the sun kind of thing. They were meeting a friend of theirs, Brian Boone, and he lived on Lake Hawkins. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, I think he was 19. And so he had graduated, but they were considered all good kids. Like they weren't, right. you know, troublemakers or any, anything like that. I think his uncle may have had a house there. So that's why he hung out there. And his brother okay. also hung out there. 
um, the plan was basically to kind of just cruise around the lake. I don't know if they were. I don't think. I think driving around. And oh, okay, kind of not, a, like, not on not a boat. boat. I don't think. I don't. I don't believe it was a boat, but or it could have been both. Just like they were, but they were going to hang. Just like having a day at the beach. Hanging there together, the three of them together, um, and then they were going to all you know meet up with their family. I think you know meet up for food or something like that. Oh, nice. Um, but that never happened. No. McFadden, the animal had moved near Lake Hawkins to live with his mother and sister. And he was known to camp out not too far from the point. Once again, you know, he's on parole. He checks in. He's trying to be model citizen. Yeah. Um, However, he wasn't having an easy time obeying the law. So... Petty crime, things like that. He tried to get a job. I think he worked at like a local convenience store. That didn't really go too well. Oh. On the 4th of uh, May 4th, okay. a couple reported being confronted by a wild-haired, tattooed man around 7.45 p.m. Oh. He was asking for money and for a quick sexual encounter because, you know, what? that's what you do, right? Oh, my God. He had brandished a weapon. But he let the the couple go because they had no money. The couple reported the incident immediately. Good. And that McFadden had either left or was hanging out by a blue and white Bronco type vehicle, which is kind of like a truck. It's uh, kind of like a Jeep, a little bit bigger type of truck, but um, it's not a pickup truck, a regular, like an SUV kind of thing. A couple hours, hours later... Harrison, Turner, and Boone were expected to return from their cruising around the lake kind of thing and were ne- weren't, weren't seen, couldn't be found. They are very late. Their parents and siblings start to get a little bit worried and they start to search for them. Boone's brother mm-hmm. went out and found Boone's truck oh, abandoned no. oh. near where that couple reported. Oh, my God. The... Uh, wild-haired, crazy tattooed Tattooed man, man. right? An official search was started immediately. Police got involved, you know, and witnesses reported seeing the three of them with a scruffy man in a blue and white vehicle. Wow. The search went on on that evening and into the morning. No sign. Harrison's body would be found the next day by a maintenance worker at Barnwell Mountain Park, 30 miles from the lake. 30 miles. She had been strangled to death with her panties and raped. On May 6th, two days after the abduction, McFadden would be caught driving a blue and white Bronco. He was stopped by police, immediately recognized. Good. And they arrested him. Good. McFadden would be taken to the Upshore County Jail to be processed and charged for capital murder of Harrison's death. All right. The decomposed bodies of Brian and Gina, each shot to death, were found 60 days later. Near How did Harrison Orr die City. again? She was strangled okay. and raped. Um, were found shot to death six days later near Orr City. Although Mac- McFadden, McFadden had already been, was suspected in those deaths, he was not charged while he was at Upshore County Jail yet. McFadden would escape Upshur County Jail on July 6th and kidnap Deputy Sheriff Williams. 
what would ensue would be the largest manhunt in Texas history. Oh, wow. McFadden would secure a 38 caliber pistol while on the run. Her gun. For three days, Mac- McFadden eluded authorities. He and Williams. Only three days? He and Williams took refuge in a boxcar. And at one point, McFadden decided that, you know, he needed to get some water. So he left her. And as he had left her to get water, um, there was a dog that kind of like preoccupied him and spooked him. And at that moment, she jumped out of the boxcar and basically crawled on her hands and knees to a house. And when she got to the house and knocked on the door, a little girl opened the door and says, hey, I know you. I've seen you on TV. Oh, my God. Um, McFadden basically, well, what she told police, Williams, was that McFadden was barefoot. He had cut his legs like he, he cannot get far. Like he cut his feet from escaping and all these other things. Um, so chances are he's not far. And another thing I had read was that people now knew that he was in this area. So people started getting out with their lawn chairs, sitting out watching the search and just watching for people to catch him. So wait, so if he's if they were in the boxcar like of a moving train and it was a it was a uh abandoned it wasn't um, oh yeah, no, okay. it was sorry i should say it was a stationary I was say, if he got out to get water yeah it wasn't moving for him to get out no no i'm sorry it was a it was a stationary okay box but car. then he got out to get water and then she jumped out and yeah. injured herself getting down i don't know if she, she was dehydrated or like because it'd been three days so oh. um, i don't know how much what she had or what they had eaten um so she was just like weakened from that. yeah Okay. Um, she had scrapes. She was fine, though. Like, nothing... He didn't rape her. He didn't do anything to her. And Good. what he, she said, like... Well, they caught him. Like, I mean, they ended up catching him pretty fast. And he had already been ready to give up. You know, he didn't put up a fight. You know, was Good. taken without a, any incident. Um, gun, everything. Like, no problems whatsoever. And he... the Even the detectives and the authorities were saying that he was... he. You could tell he wanted to be caught. He was ready to go back because this wasn't working for him. Yeah. And she said that she basically used the same tactic that she'd always, she was, listen to what he said. She knew about his past, so she was afraid that if she got him angry, who knows what she would, he would have done to her. So she was basically the model kidnapped prisoner. Um, But again, they caught him. Good. Because of him escaping jail, he was immediately sentenced to life in prison. Because Good. he was already on parole, and he broke out of jail, kidnapping, all that. He then um, was convicted on capital murder all right. for Harrison, the Harrison murder, and sentenced to death. I thought he already had been convicted. No, no, he was in. He was ready to be charged. I mean, he was oh, arrested. Oh, they hadn't like, they hadn't gone trial him. yet. No, okay. Right. Um, and I believe he also got. Uh, they also ended up charging him for Boone team. and um, Turner's deaths as well. Okay. He was ex- executed uh, at 6.16 p.m. October 14th, 1999, eight minutes after his the lethal injection. So 6.08, they injected him. 6.16, he died. Oh. It was believed that he had not, had he not been caught at the time, that he would have gone on to rape and murder many others. Right. He, he, do you, you know, have, do you know what his last words were? No. Or last meal? I do not. Oh, okay. I honestly don't care. I just find those interesting to read about. Um, However, Harrison's murder in 1986 was not his first killing. What? Wait a minute. 
See, I thought it was a little bit of a short story. On July 24th, 1979. Oh, wow. He had been paroled in 1978 after the second race. Oh, yeah. Anne-Marie Lavka had finished up her shift at the McDonald's just northwest of Portland, Oregon. She returned home to her apartment that she shared with her sister, Roseanne. Roseanne also worked at the same McDonald's, but was not working that evening. Roseanne would get home around 10 p.m. She opened the door to the apartment and called out for Anne-Marie. No answer. Roseanne then kept calling for Anne-Marie as she entered the apartment. Still no answer. She went from room to room and then entered Anne-Marie's bedroom. What she found was Anne-Marie sprawled out and dead. She had been strangled with her panties and raped. Portland authorities would spend the next 40 years trying to catch the killer. In 2009... 2009? Portland were going through old, their old cold cases, so basically 30 years right. after the murder. And new techniques had been discovered to extract DNA strains. The FBI also had added volumes and volumes of DNA data into their CODIS database. Good. So the way that works is any sexual assault criminal that's been convicted has to submit their DNA into this database. Good. Unfortunately, they didn't get a hit. In 2012, a scientist was able to extract DNA from Hawkins, I mean, sorry, from um, Lavka's nails. From her nails. So it was underneath her nails. So she put up a fight when she was good. And they got a complete DNA profile marker of the perpetrator, like a full DNA. Like they, they're like, we, we have him. We have somebody right here with us. We know that this is, we can extract, this isn't her, this is a particular person. Good. Oh my God. They were so psyched. That they took it and they're like, all right, we're going to run against through CODIS again. No hits in the CODIS database. However, they had eight rapist murderers in the area that they had all the information, like DNA of those folks. And they thought it's got to be one of these eight because the the MO was similar. Right. They ran it through the eight. No hits. Then in 2018. Wow. The Golden State Killer was caught using genealogy websites. Oh my God. Did they use the same thing? The Portland authorities thought that there was a chance that if they took their that particular DNA profile from 2012 and ran it against 23andMe, Ancestry.com, that they may be in luck. In October of 2018, they found a match. McFadden, the animal. They had never heard of McFadden. And they, again, going through all of their suspects, he was not considered, nor did they know anything about him. They soon learned that his nickname was The Animal and that he was one of Texas's infamous killers. Oh, my God. As they researched more about The Animal, they discovered that all his victims were in Texas. Right. However, as they dug deeper, they learned that McFadden had traveled with a woman he knew in 1979 to the Pacific Northwest. And that trip put him in Oregon at the time Lafka was murdered. Oh, my God. Why wasn't McFadden's DNA in the CODIS database? Because, again, he was convicted of sexual assault. Right. It was because Texas didn't start tracking DNA until 1995. Oh. And because he was already on death row to be executed in 99, it just never, it just, you know, they were dealing with more uh, recent cases. But 
that DNA was a hundred percent match, I believe, through the ancestor. They went through it and they could tell because Good. of the way they extracted it. So I'm glad they got closure then. So basically now more and more cold cases have the potential of being closed using this DNA analysis and going through these genealogy sites. As for McMafadden, he never would have been, he should never have been paroled the first time. Yeah. Let alone the second time. Yeah. Four people were killed because at a minimum, but who knows how many more, right? We, right. They don't know. And there, there could be other cold cases they find. However, after the Harrison murder, that murder itself, that whole scenario changed the laws in Texas for rapists or sexual assault criminals or violent criminals on having their sentences being automatically up for parole after a minimum period of time. Good. So that case, that manhunt, all like the that stuff that happened, everything. the animal changed that law, all those laws on how things could be immediately up for uh, wow. for uh, uh, parole. So, I had never even heard of that case. Yep. So there you go. I... That is the case of... Good old, no, I should say good old, Jerry Walter McFadden, the animal. I have a question for you. Go for it. Do you think, because I saw an article that was like talking about the whole DNA, like ancestry thing um, as controversial. Do you think that they should use that DNA or no? Um, I think it's, it, the, the, it's a hard one because... Um, It's that old saying, right, of where's your privacy, right? So True. you're not doing that for this case. So now you're in a database. Your DNA is in a database. So as long as you've done nothing bad, you yourself, right? Yeah, you've got nothing to worry, worry about. about. Right. The question now is, is that how does that privacy affect the rest of your family? So who owns the DNA? Do you own your DNA or is the DNA part True. of the family? Now... I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you go about it. I guess the question now is that if all of a sudden people can manipulate this kind of information to cause bad things, mm. then there might be a different thing. And again, it is a slippery slope because, you know, it's it's this aspect of basically your who has access. Like, I don't think they ever were going to let the authorities have access to DNA. Now, they don't they, technically have access to DNA, right? So what do they, they have to do? They have to submit it. They go through, well, they go through, there's certain people that have access to the databases because they do it for research. Right. And then you go through that third party. So it's not actually, you go through Ancestry.com or 23andMe because they do it for individuals, consumer. But um, there was a company in Reston for this one where they contacted them who had aggregated all this data um, from these these uh, genealogy sites. And then they ran it against that database and that's how they got the hit. Now, I don't know if they know who that person is. Then they must have gone to Ancestry or right. 23andMe and said, okay. And I don't know if they get a subpoena. I don't know how they do it, but then they can get access to say who this person is. I think, personally, I think that it is good to be using like DNA sites. I think there's a limit, obviously, but... Like they caught the Golden State Killer. They caught this guy with with this murder, and I. And they caught Britain from. Yeah, they the caught Cam Britain, like the Britain Killer, the Sumter. Right? It's Sumter. yeah, Sumter. It's it, it's done a lot of good. I I think it, it it can go badly, but I think for now I'm on board with it. Well, it's opened up a way for closure. You're right, and the question though now is, and again, is it is a deterrent? Like that's the real thing. You know, if now people realize that holy cow, I could get caught not 
to my DNA, but I can become a suspect close enough because of because my family, of my family. Then is that a deterrent enough to basically be like? But then what would you do? Like, because if you're like, if your sister just walks by and she's like, oh yeah, you know, I just submitted my DNA, and you're like, oh my god, what about like that bank I robbed and I left DNA for some reason? Oh no. Again, you know, if you don't do bad things, what does it matter? That's true. I think it's more of a deterrent against crime than it well, is. Well, that's for... the question. Is it a deterrent? Like, will will because this is now known, will people say, "Oh, I better not do that thing"? Yeah. Because I could get... So, it, I mean, it'll I be think... interesting. So, I mean, there will be a case somehow. Somebody's going to bring a case up about how it was unlawful seizure or right. you know privacy, and it'll go to the Supreme Court. I mean, there's no way it can go perfectly. Like, there's no perfect. Uh, I mean, the Golden State Killer is an interesting one because the guy's alive. Most of these people have been dead that we that we've seen. So the question is, what happens with the Golden State Killer? Does that you know is there a defense that you can't use this evidence against him because it was seized? It, it's a I, I, again, I don't know. You know, trust me. Defense attorneys or whoever will figure out a way to do something so now the question is what happens but yeah, yeah but there you go that'll be interesting to like follow up on too yeah we should see what, what, what goes on golden state yeah so there you go okay so my fun fact this week is about the salem witch trials and it's interesting because it i mean it really does tie into my case um with the philip english thing so, uh, it is said that during the Salem Witch Trials, condemning citizens was just a ploy to take their land. However, uh, English law did not allow for the acquisition of land by authorities, though the possession of belongings like livestock, hay, apples, corn, kettles, pewter, furniture, and jewelry could be confiscated from prisoners. So, basically... You, your property was your own, but yes. anything on it was yeah. fair game. But then Corwin took Philip English's house. Um, he well, I yeah. mean, he might have just taken like everything in the house, and was like, he like not legally owned the house, but he was like, this is my turf now. And I guess if you're sheriff, you know. Yeah, but that that was interesting to yeah. learn about that you couldn't actually take the the land, the land, the property. Yeah. But um, that, that's my fun fact. <laughs> Uh, any wrapping thoughts before I launch into everything? No, I think, uh, hopefully again, vacation week. So there you go. <laughs> um, okay. So you can send in your own story suggestions or, um, fun facts or your own stories that have happened to you, uh, to our Gmail, which is everything in podcast at gmail.com. You can also submit them through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. Uh, we also have the images from every episode up there. Some other fun stuff. I don't know what, but it's there. Uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram. It is at everythinginpodcast. Our Twitter is... Thanks, Willow. Our Twitter is at between underscore podcast. And our Facebook is everything in between podcast. That's our page and our group. So join that. Follow that. All that good stuff. And, of course, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe gonna ask you on Apple Podcasts because I almost forgot <laughs> to tell you. But, yeah, it really does help. So please do that. Um, and we thanks to listeners because we've been, little by little, we've been increasing our yes. listeners. So What's great. our average right now? 41? think so like a couple episodes ago i was just like oh man to all 12 of you like 
hello and now 41 average listens like i am over the moon i didn't that's great that's great i didn't think we'd get past like three so (laughs) like you me and like olivia (laughs) (laughs) thought that would be our entire base but um yeah so thank you for listening and uh submit some stuff say hi we're open to talk we like talking sort of i don't know i don't know what i'm saying kind of spiraling at this point yeah enough okay bye see you next week see you next week bye